through 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we're going to begin tonight in verse number 17. As we're still considering or concerning ourselves with this idea of prayerlessness. Prayerlessness. We looked at a couple of, couple of times concerning this, this reality. And we see here in 1 Thessalonians, as Paul is writing here to the church at Thessalonica, he encourages them here in verse 17, a very simple, very simple message, a very simple verse. It's a verse that we have committed, no doubt, to our memory. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Right before he says that, he says, rejoice evermore. Rejoice evermore. Part of the problem in our in in the, in the situation of prayerlessness, part of the problem that, that gets to so many of us in our desire to be in the throne room of God and to be in His presence and bringing to Him our prayers and our petitions. One of the problems that so often gets in our way is discouragement itself. Probably the very things that we're bringing before His throne, the very things that we're praying to Him about, the very things that are on our hearts and on our minds that, that, we're, that we should be praying over, that we should be bringing before His throne, we, we get so discouraged in these things, these problems of life, these trials, these situations, these sicknesses, these distresses, those things can get us so down and they can discourage us to, to such an extent that we don't even have the energy, we don't even have the desire even to, to come before the Lord and spend that time in communion with Him to bring to Him those prayers and those petitions. And so Paul reminds us here just before he tells us, but just before he encourages here, pray without ceasing. Now we've already discussed a little bit about why would we need to be praying without ceasing? Because we can't do life in our own strength. We can't do life in our own ability. We can't do life in this flesh. A life anyway that's pleasing to the Lord. A life anyway that's serving Him. A life that is, is, is following Him and being obedient to Him and, and, and doing the things that He's called us to do. We can't do that in our own power. We can't do that in our own flesh. And so we are to pray without ceasing because we need our Lord every single day, every second of that day. Now, if I'm discouraged, if I am burdened down to the point that I'm just, I, can't, I don't even have the energy to go pray. <laughs> I don't have the energy to spend that time. It feels like work. When we get that discouraged, when we get that down, it feels like work to come in for prayer. And it's the reason Paul reminds us, rejoice. Rejoice evermore. Rejoice evermore. We, we need, we need, especially 
in those times when it's hard. Especially in those times when we're burdened down with these, these cares of life. Especially when we've got these troubles on our hearts and on our minds. Especially at those times, we need to be rejoicing in the blessings that our Lord is continually pouring out on us. Because He blesses us continually. I mean every day. Blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon blessing. And so when these problems come, when these trials and troubles come our way, we need to be reminding ourselves, oh, but I'm blessed. Oh, but I'm blessed. Look what the Lord's given. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord is working. Look, look, look what He's doing in my life. And we can rejoice in in every trial, in every trouble. We can rejoice as the children of God. In every trial, in every trouble, we can have joy in Him. And then Paul says, pray. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. This is the fight. A fight against prayerlessness in our own lives. And and it's in this fight that we come to the knowledge, the understanding of our need to pray more and more. And not only more and more, but more and more fervently. That we, we truly be devoted to our Lord in that time of prayer. That we truly be Seeking His face. That we're serious. That we're serious about that time of prayer. That it's not just going through the motions of prayer. Not just saying the same old things that we always say. Not going through our rehearsed prayers that we offer Him every day. But that we actually spend time in the throne room of our Lord and talk with our King. Andrew Murray stated concerning prayer. He says, as soon as the Christian becomes convinced of his sin in this matter, prayerlessness is what he's talking about. As soon as the Christian becomes convinced of his sin in this matter, his first thought is that he must begin to strive with God's help to gain the victory over it. But alas... He soon experiences that his striving is worth little. And the discouraging thought comes over him like a wave. That such a life is not for him. He cannot continue faithful. And truly, it's so easy for us to be discouraged in our service to the Lord. So easy for us to be discouraged in our walk with Him. And what we have to realize in every aspect of our life for Christ, in every aspect of our life each and every day as we go forth to do and to be what Christ Jesus has called us to be, to walk as He's called us to walk, to do as He's called us to do, what we have to realize is in order for us to do that, we have to abide in Him. 
Abide in Him. We don't have the power to do it ourselves. We don't have the power to do it ourselves. We are dependent upon, in every aspect of our service, we are dependent upon the Lord to empower us, to strengthen us, to help us, that we might do as He's called us to do. And so if we seek to conquer prayerlessness in our lives, we will not be able to do it by our own strength. We will not be able to do that. And our efforts, we find very quickly, will be futile unless we learn to abide in the Lord Jesus. To hold on to Him. To live right there in Him. Or rather, Him living in us. Abide in Him. And that that abiding in Him changes the whole scenario of our service to Him. It no longer becomes the toil. It no longer becomes the struggle that it was in our own power, in our own strength. It no longer becomes that that weight that we're carrying about trying to, to be and trying to do. But when we are abiding in Him, we find suddenly that His burden then is lies. And His yoke is easy. Because it's our Lord. It's our Lord that's carrying the weight. He's already carried it for us. Matthew chapter 11, he tells us that there in verse number 28 down through verse number 30. Matthew 11, verse number 28 down through verse 30 there. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your souls. Find rest. Unto your souls. Ye shall find rest. Unto your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. That which is labor. That which is toil. That which is the exertion of all of our strength of the flesh trying to do and to serve and to be faithful and trying to to follow after Him like we ought to follow after Him. 
When, when we are leaning on Him, when we are abiding on Him, when we are, when we are coming to Him for that strength and for that power and for that, that, that reinforcement for the day and for the, the moment and for the seconds and for the minutes of, of life that we are living in, suddenly the toil becomes rest. Rest unto our soul. what David describes for us there in Psalm 23. It's exactly what he describes there. Life, and he describes all of those places that life leads us. Go back and look with me there in Psalm 23. He describes here all these places where, where, where we find ourselves in life. Times of rest, times of relaxation, times of plenty, times of trouble, even even death, he says. And yet, in every place that we find ourselves in this life, in every place where we lift our heads and look around and say, how in the world are you here? We can rest assured that our Lord has brought us there. And not only that He has brought us there, but He is with us in it. And He will lead us through it. Look there, Psalm 23. David says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He provides all all that we need. And it's not by accident. (laughs) It's kind of... It's a little bit of a put down, really. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, when we look at really what it's, what what he's saying there. It's not by accident that the Lord calls us sheep. So sheep, sheep are dumb, right? I mean, they can dumb. I, I see that video every time I think about sheep. It's 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 been on Facebook all I mean a bunch of times. I've seen it several times, but it, it's got this sheep in a ditch. It says me. And Jesus, you know, kind of is how it's, it's worded there. And the, the farmer comes along and pulls the sheep out of the ditch. Sets him on the side, on the ground. The, the sheep takes off like a streak of lightning. Bounces right back down into the ditch again, you know. Makes it about 20 feet. Poop, right back down in the ditch. They, they a sheep needs everything done for it. Means everything done for it. And, and they'll just eat. Head down eating. I mean, that's all they do, right? Bat and eat and bat and eat, and they just go on and eat. It's when the shepherd calls them, though. They know the shepherd. 
They do know their shepherd. They know that's where they get what they need. They know that. They know that is where their provision is. They know that. He's the one that's leading me. He's the one I'm dependent on. He's the one that I have to follow and listen to and be with because He's the one that's going to give me what I need. And so it's not an accident that we're compared to sheep here. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Sheep don't want raging waters. They go get near raging waters, they're gone because sheep are dumb. They'll <laughs> they go try to drink out of a moving stream and down the stream they go. That's the end of that sheep. He leads me beside the still waters. The waters I can drink from. The waters that won't carry me away. The green pastures. That's where he leads me. He restoreth my soul. David understands that we as sheep need that constant restoration from our Lord each day. Because life is hard. Even, even when we are in the pastures and even by the still waters, life can still be hard. Troubles still come. Trials are still ever-present. And our Lord is the one that restores our souls every, every single day. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Whether we are in the still waters and the green pastures, or whether we're passing through the the very worst of our times, the, the valley, the shadow of death even, David says, the shepherd's right there. He's right there. His, he says there that, that even him being there, he says, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. They comfort me. We see those on two fronts here. One, there is the the idea of his protection with the rod and staff that he's going to keep from us all that would come against us. That that he's watching over, that he's going to protect. But we also see in that his correction as well. He, He says... 
In Romans chapter 9, as God is talking there, as Paul rather is talking about uh, God's election, particularly in Romans 9, and he's talking there about those two brothers, Jacob and Esau. And he says there in, in Romans 9, he gives, he gives a description there to show the, the difference there and how God deals with these two brothers. Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated, he says. Now how did he love Jacob? How is that love demonstrated to Jacob? God didn't leave him alone. He was always he was always there on Jacob. Jacob's life was one trouble after another trouble after another trouble. Because God didn't leave him to himself. He worked on Jacob. He molded Jacob. He he continued to to to, to make Jacob what he would have him to be. And so there was a lot of correction in Jacob's life. There was a lot of chastening in Jacob's life. How did he demonstrate his hate for Esau? Esau was a rich man. Esau had all the things that the world would want. He, he had servants. He had, he had uh, vast property. He had all kinds of flocks. I mean, Esau was, physically speaking, Esau was, was blessed among men. How did he demonstrate that hatred for Esau? He left Esau to himself. He left Esau to himself. David points out to us here that even in those times where we are in in the field there, enjoying those green pastures, resting in the presence of our Lord, or whether we're passing through even the valley of the shadow of death and and time and, and life is extremely hard and heavy and weighing on us, our Lord is there. He's there protecting us. He's there guiding us. He's there present with us. And He's even there correcting us with that rod and with that staff. Because He has not left us to ourselves. He is ever making us more and more like our Savior. He's sanctifying His people to Himself. And so, we see that even there, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me, he says, in the presence of mine enemies. I mean, it's, it, <laughs> that's one of the things that the world notices about God's people. We see that testimony throughout history given concerning God's people. He keeps blessing them. Even, even in those hard times, even in those times where, where we're doing everything we can to discourage everything we can to hammer down on them, everything we can to make life miserable for them, they're still full of joy. 
They're still hoping in Him. And He's still blessing them. Or prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What we learn from David's example here, what we see here in regards to to our life of service, our life of following after our Lord, is that wherever we find ourselves, we can be assured our sovereign God has brought us into that place. He's brought us into that place. And bringing us into that place, He is right there with us. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. He is right there with us. And not only is He with us, but even in those times, even in those places, whether we are resting, whether we are in great joy, or whether we are in sorrow and in pain, whatever we find ourselves, whatever the situation might be, our Lord is with us. He is leading us. He is strengthening us. He is providing for us. Our Lord is the one that's in control. And what we see so clearly here, what we see so clearly here, is that we as God's children in our service for Him need to recognize we don't get anywhere on our own strength. We don't get anywhere on our own power. Our will... Our will will always lead us astray. It will always lead us astray. Which is why we must abide in our Lord Jesus. Holding fast to Him every single day. Every second of that day. Holding fast to Him. We must learn to fall helpless at the feet of our Lord. And with deep earnestness and a watchfulness of our own hearts, followed by a surrender to a life of dying to self and living unto Christ. Abide in Him.
Abide in Him. We, we cannot serve Him. We cannot do. We cannot be faithful apart from our abiding in Him. He says very plainly, John 15 verse 4, Without me, ye can do nothing. Without me, ye can, ye can do nothing. How is it that we expect the Lord to give us grace for life? But expect that in our own ability, in our own strength, we can live ourselves, do and serve and be faithful in even our prayer life. You see, we have to have grace in everything, including our prayers. We, we do not and cannot have victory in our flesh. Our victory is in our Lord. And we have to be holding on to Him. And so we must realize that when we come before the throne room of our Lord and come in, come in before Him through the veil that is Christ Jesus our Lord for us, that we do not stand there, and we do not kneel there before our Father alone. But our Lord is ever present with us. He is ever present with us. He is right there with us, teaching us to pray, interceding on our behalf. Brother Stevie was talking about that this Sunday, about the Lord feeling our infirmities. He, he knows exactly what it feels like because He felt them for us. <laughs> he felt mine. He felt yours, you see. So He knows exactly, He knows exactly how it feels when we come before Him. Rest assured, He knows exactly what we're feeling because He's already bore it for us at the cross. He felt it there. He felt it there. So he knows exactly how we're feeling now. And so he is touched with the feeling of our infirmity. He knows exactly what we need. And, and in fact, he knows more about what we need than we do ourselves. And so he intercedes on our behalf. And the Bible tells us that even when we don't know how to pray, even when we don't know what to say. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in that spot where you're just there before the throne of the Lord? You're just there in His presence and ha! The Bible tells us the Spirit prays for us. Because He's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. 
makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Our Lord is ever present with us. Especially, especially in our prayers. Prayer is about our relationship to our Savior. His infinite love toward us, which because of that love, it longs for communion with us every moment and to keep us as His people in the enjoyment of that fellowship with Him. His divine power which has conquered and can truly keep us from prayerlessness, from sin, is ever present with us. Our prayer lives our prayer lives must be brought under the control of our Lord. When prayer then is under Christ, then prayer will be what it really is. What it's supposed to be. It'll be the natural and joyous breathing of the spiritual life by which the heavenly atmosphere is inhaled and then exhaled in our prayer. Charles Spurgeon said, Prayer is breathing in the very air of heaven. And praise is breathing it out again. Breathing in the very air of heaven and praise is breathing it out again. And so in order to restore prayerfulness, we must recognize we have to be abiding in our Lord. We have to be holding fast to Him. That we are trusting Him and following Him each and every day as He gives us strength to serve Him. And knowing that prayerlessness is indeed a sin, that we need to confess our sins before our Lord, as 1 John 1 verse 9 tells us, and let Him cleanse us. From all unrighteousness. That we might be full of prayer. John 14. John chapter 14. Look verse number 1 with me. John 14 verse number 1.
Lord says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Then notice what he says, verse 11 and verse 12. He says, believe me that I am in the Father. And the Father in me. Or else, believe me for the very works' sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And so what is the Lord saying here? But not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And he tells us why there in verse 11 and 12. Because I am in my Father and my Father is in me. And if he is in his Father and his Father in him, so also is he in us and we in him. So it is only by His power that we are able to do, that we are able to serve, that we are able to follow, that we are able to keep that devotion to Him. It's only by His power that we pray as we ought to pray. And He's the one that ensures it. Because it's by His power that it is done. The Lord loves you so that He would have you near Him without a break. He wants us ever communing with Him. I'm bad about when I'm by myself to talk to myself. You do that too? They say it's okay as long as you don't answer yourself, but I do that too. And I've tried to catch myself. Not because I think it's silly, because we all do it. You know. Not that I think it's silly, or not that I think I'm crazy. But I try to catch myself when I'm doing it, and, and I, I say to myself all the time, when I'm doing this, and I'm still talking to myself. Why are you talking to yourself? The Lord's right here. Talk to Him. And so suddenly my conversation with me becomes a conversation with my Lord. And his answers are so much better than mine. So much better than mine. Without me, he says in the very next chapter, without me, you can do nothing. 
verse 4 there. I, I said this is verse 4 a while ago. It's not verse 4. Verse 4 is the one I wanted to read to you. He said, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. So what is he telling us? You can't produce fruit without him. We have, we have to be abiding in him. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, for without me, ye can do nothing. Abide, abide, abide in the Lord Jesus. Hold fast to Him. Because it's in Him that we have our strength. It's in Him that we have power. It's in Him that we have victory. It's in Him that we are able to serve. Not in us, in Him. Abide, abide in the Lord Jesus. Let's all stand. We'll be dismissed.